everyone. This is James from the Control Listen podcast brought to you by Octopart. Uh, today I'm joined by a new co-host. Uh, it's Inga Woods. Uh, you may have seen her from Octopart and Altium's TikToks and uh, other videos that she's created. Uh, and we're also joined by Karen Kelly, our guest for the day. She is from Laboratoria, a fantastic company based in uh, South America that works with women throughout Latin America to help them break into the tech sector and develop their careers in that space. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you, James, and nice to meet you as well, Inga. So to start off, do you want to tell us a little bit about the company? Um, I guess its mission, its goals, its vision? Absolutely. So at um, Laboratoria, our mission is to empower women who dream of a better future um, to start and grow transformative careers in technology. Um, we're a nonprofit organization that was founded nearly 10 years ago. Um, so I've been doing quite a bit of work across Latin America. We originally started in Peru, um, but have since expanded to 10 other countries. Um, and really the, the focus of our work is um, helping women who have not had access to quality opportunities, as you mentioned, James, be able to break into the tech sector. There are several different barriers um, that in, in some cases are a little bit more specific to Latin America, perhaps, but quite um, global issues as well in terms of a gender gap and technology and kind of the causes behind that. And at the same time, seeing um, a lot of talented women in Latin America who simply haven't had access to those quality opportunities. They have all the potential and, and opportunity really to shine um, and simply need a little bit of that um, accompaniment and, and initial push to break through some of those barriers. So we do this through a intensive six month boot camp. Um, right now, we are an online remote model. It's remote, but still live. So our students are still together in cohorts on a daily basis. Um, and through this six-month boot camp, they are learning um, both tech skills and life skills. So we have three different uh, boot camp tracks. We have web development, UX design. And just this year, we launched a track in data analytics as well. So we're really excited about that. Um, and we've really developed a, a learning model that's quite unique to Laboratoria. Um, there's lots of different boot camps, but um, really ours is focusing on um, the core competency, so to speak, of learning how to learn. There's only so much you can learn in six months in terms of the tech skills. So we really also integrate in a very intentional way um, the life skills component. Um, so this aspect of learning how to learn, really being owners of your learning experience, um, working as a team, collaboration, a lot of the, the self-confidence part as well. Um, and learning in community is a really important part of our, our model as well. Um, so during those six months, they get to know each other. They have a really great and intensive learning experience. Um, and once the boot camp concludes, we have a team that continues to accompany our graduates um, in their job placement process so they can um, start that their first job in the tech sector. Um, and so across the years, since 2014, we have trained over 3,500 women, a number that makes us very, very proud. And, and we've reached an average of 79% job placement rate. There's obviously ups and downs, different challenges, depending on the, the year and what's going on in the market. But overall, seeing a really successful transformation for, for our students. Um, and just one other thing to note about the, the profile of our students about 70% of our bootcamp applicants report that they are unemployed at the time that they're in, you know, expressing interest in our bootcamp. So for those students, we're really seeing them going from you know, zero to 100 in a, in a short period of time. 
Whereas the others who are working are, many of them are in informal jobs or perhaps in jobs that are, they're earning somewhere around minimum, minimum wage um, or really no, no prospect for growth and no, no opportunity for them to continue transforming um, their careers. And so for th that smaller group of women, the, the transformation we're seeing in terms of income, at least, is an increase in income of about 3.8 times. Um, so whether you were working or not, um, we really see this profound change for, for the women who are able to go through our boot camp and find a job afterwards. Inga, I know you had a question you wanted to ask uh, regarding the boot camp. Yeah, so um, I've been a part of a boot camp too, and boot camps have changed my life. And I completely understand with the whole, you know, going from a whole big pay jump, and it's amazing. But I want to ask about with the classes that you guys have, how, like you said, it's intensive for six months and you have them do individual um, assignments and then group works as well. How would you say, like, how many hours would they have to put in a week? You know, is it like self-paced or like do you give them kind of like a program to follow along and then like, you know, answer as they go along? It's a little bit of everything you just mentioned. So it is... Um... As I said, it's it's online, it's uh, remote, but it is live. So it is kind of a full-time commitment, Monday through Friday. Um, and the way our curriculum is structured is that it's project-based. So we have a set of um, kind of core projects that our students go through. Um, and then after the, you've completed the core ones there, the, you know, you get to choose a little bit more what kind of specialization you want to go into for the, for the second part. And it is also self-paced. So we're combining kind of a live model with the fact that we really want to honor different, you know, styles of learning. We know that, you know, a lot of our students, for example, are mothers or um, have different kind of at-home contexts and, and just learning styles in general. So we try and do the best we can to really um, offer an environment where students can um, progress at the pace that works best for them. And what we do is break down each of our projects into learning objectives. So really, um, when we look at those learning objectives, it's not so much about taking a test or passing like a, a set of, of requirements in that sense, but it's really a tool for self-reflection as well and thinking about what have I learned and being aware of you know, the progress that they have made and maybe becoming more aware of what they yet have to, to strengthen throughout the rest of the boot camp. Um, so I think that's what makes um, one of the things that makes our boot camp model unique because there's really this um, close accompaniment and this focus on learning and community, as well as the part of really getting to know oneself and a lot of that self-reflection. And again, not just on the tech skills themselves, but thinking about um, what, what else do I need to work on to, to really be able to enter and then thrive within, um, within the tech space. So really a boot camp where we try and simulate what the real workplace environment would be, you know, breaking it down into projects using agile methodology. So doing daily check-ins, checkouts, sprints, um, those kinds of things. That is what we see is going to be most common once they are on a tech team. So it's not kind of going from taking, taking quizzes or something and then all of a sudden you're in the real workplace, but having had that background and that experience of working as part of a team and using that kind of uh, work methodology. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because like me learning to do the whole building my own portfolio and creating my own projects and having it being able to apply to work and be like, oh, I actually learned this in this bootcamp. Like, oh, that was so helpful. Like I have <laughs> things I could be able to add onto my resume. Now with these groups, what size is usually your cohort? Like, is it usually like around 300 per like six months or like, you know, so they could be able to have them in the groups? 
It's actually quite small, much smaller than that. We're looking at about 40 to 50 women per cohort. Um, and something that's been quite special about us um, offering this boot camp in a remote setting is that we're able to gather women from, from the different countries in Latin America. We also have a, a separate kind of cohort in, in Portuguese for, for the women who are based in Brazil, but those who are Spanish speaking get to interact and, and really learn alongside women from other countries. Um, for example, in our UX bootcamp, um, our projects are also constantly shifting because they're done in partnership with real businesses. So they might start with a smaller kind of individual entrepreneur who's just starting their online business and needs some help um, setting up or solving some kind of a UX uh, challenge that they're facing. And then it gets increasingly um, more complex. But then they are also able to say, hey, look, I actually worked with a real company with a real challenge. And that can be a part of your your portfolio and not just saying, I received some kind of a certification, but it's rather um, more like real life experience throughout the bootcamp. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I know you mentioned that there were some issues that were specific to Central and South America uh, for women in electronics. So what would those be? Yeah, I think it's, it's a variety of factors that um, really, like I mentioned, of course, this is, these are factors that women face across the globe. But um, when you look at Latin America, still, very deeply ingrained gender stereotypes, um, both in terms of um, what your day-to-day -day life looks like in terms of caregiving and the amount of time um, women are contributing to running their homes in many different ways. And then also the stereotypes in terms of um, you know, women in the tech space um, and, and STEM fields in general. There's still a lot of misperceptions about that. And it all really feeds into into a loop, into a cycle where if young girls and young women who, you know, they think they're interested in tech, but they don't have role models or they are not seeing women in tech, it just kind of feeds into that and thinking, well, really, it's not a place for me and, and discouraging women in, in that sense. Um, so that's on one hand. And, and something else that's quite interesting to see in Latin America is you know, I mentioned our, our mission is to work with women who have not had access to quality opportunities. And in Latin America, um, and I know this is true in other parts of the world, but in Latin America, um, having a college degree or a university degree does not necessarily translate into quality opportunities. And there is a challenge in Latin America where if you didn't go to the top one, two, three universities of your country, that already put, sets you at a disadvantage. Um, or perhaps um, you, know, you, you study a degree that really doesn't have uh, much demand and, and quality job opportunities. So um, I think that's, that's an important thing to, to hone in on. And that was one of the things that our co-founders really noticed as a missed opportunity. They said, look, in tech, a university degree is not always required. And um, tech is a place where self-learning is very, very common. Um, so why not open this up to, to women who maybe they have tried to, to study university, maybe they've even completed it, but that's simply not leading to quality opportunities. And so that's one of the things that um, we are trying to break down in terms of those barriers is not just the barriers to entry um, in terms of you know, the tech workplace itself, but also thinking about what education looks like and, and understanding that, um, you know, maybe a traditional higher education is the right fit for some people, but not for everyone. Um, so trying to open up some of the, the opportunities in terms of just education itself. That's great.
And then you have those partnership opportunities where you can actually help women find placements at certain companies. Uh, how did you form those connections and, and these companies sort of reaching out to you? Are you contacting them or? Yeah, it's been, I mean, as I mentioned, it's been 10 years. And so when you look at um, kind of the conversations we were having with hiring companies 10 years ago versus today, the conversations are quite different. Um, perhaps 10 years ago, it was still really focusing on, no, really, you can hire someone if they don't have a, a, a college degree. Some companies still have that as a requirement, but there's a general understanding that, okay, that I can see the value and the potential uh, of these of these women and that, you know, we don't have to base it entirely on paper. So those kinds of conversations have shifted. Um, and a lot of it is us reaching out. Um, and there is a lot of work that we have done around our, our positioning. And I think what has helped a lot is that companies come back to us and kind of that word of mouth or that seal of approval that other companies see um, to be able to grow this network of hiring companies, which actually we now have uh, over a thousand companies who have hired at least one graduate um, since we began our work and some of them coming back to hire more um, year, year after year. And so um, we have a team that, that works on that, that's continuously engaging in conversation with hiring companies. And, and it's important that it's really about a relationship and a partnership with these companies um, more in the sense of understanding each other's needs. And so when I talk about the conversation shifting, um, progress has been made in the last 10 years in terms of companies um, understanding the importance of having diversity and diverse perspectives going into building tech products. Um, and so I think some of the challenges are a little bit deeper at this point. So if we go beyond the gender quota, um, what does it mean to not just have headcount covered, but really thinking about, well, how do I develop this talent? How do I retain it? How do I make this workplace more inclusive? Are my hiring practices uh, a reflection of our desire to be a more inclusive company as well? So we're able to engage with, with companies beyond just a transaction of saying, I think I have some profiles that fit the, the job role that you have open at this point. But really, let us, let's make this a collaboration and a conversation um, in terms of how we can work together towards um, our, our more our broader vision, which is a vision of making Latin America's digital economy much more inclusive, much more diverse and, and competitive, because there's a lot of potential in that, not only for the women that we impact, also the businesses, the companies themselves, and thinking um, kind of the, the wider society and, and the region of Latin America as a whole. What uh, I guess this is a question you probably get all the time, but um, why do you think that equal representation for women is so slow in this sector? Yeah, I think uh, it comes back to some of the, the kind of the barriers uh, I mentioned earlier, just about stereotypes um, and even even getting into the, the tech sector is, is the first step of the journey. But then when you look at um, women remaining in the in the tech sector after they've started, there's actually some alarming um, kind of numbers about women who end up leaving maybe in their 30s or so, um, because there is still that work to be done about making sure that the workplace is then uh, one that's favorable uh, to to different contexts, different perspectives, different life situations. And so I think um, that's part of it. Those those stereotypes or those those ways of going about things that are, are still very rooted in, um, in, in just misconceptions and, and perhaps not even on purpose, just a, a lack of awareness 
um, in terms of what changes need to be made within within a work culture and environment to make it welcoming for for different contexts. I think there's still a long way to go in that sense. Inga, I mean, you, you, from your experiences, is this something you struggled with breaking into the sector? Oh yeah, or? absolutely. Everything she mentioned, I deeply resonate because I experienced that myself as well. Like it was so hard. <laughs> and one thing that I love about like your bootcamp is that you include that wholesome, you know, full rounded um, kind of curriculum where you kind of like teach them how to learn, how to do this project. And then also it sounds like you guys help them with the whole life process of what do you do in this situation? How would you handle this? And then like preparing for interviews and then going into the work field and having that support group means a lot because when you have people to ask questions and say, oh, did I negotiate this well? Or like, was I wrong to think this or whatever like that? Or like, was my approach to this situation a good one? Or, you know, how to explain like a simple project to someone else and they're not getting it. Like, how else do I explain that to them? This like, yeah, so everything you explained, I definitely went through and I completely understand and I love all of this. <laughs> so, yeah, this is definitely something um, we face a lot. And I love how you guys have a very small community and I hope it gets bigger and bigger over time because being able to have that one on one and being able to have that community to talk to and also, you know, learn from is always a beneficial benefit to everyone. Absolutely. And and thinking about the community we do have and, and what you mentioned, Inga, and like, who can I ask this to? It's not only about La Oratoria's mm -hmm. team. It's really about the community we've built from the moment they're in the boot camp. And then you see our alumni community and they're still very active. Um, they're still interested in learning. Um, and it's really wonderful to see how some of our graduates who have been working for longer um, can serve as mentors to those students who are just beginning or, you know, even in the application process, like having one of our current students motivating them, encouraging them along the way. And then even having some of our graduates saying, hey, look, I'm starting to lead a team or I am at the point where I can recommend profiles to to our hiring manager. So why don't we come back to La Oratoria and kind of see that cycle being fully completed and, and going back to what I mentioned, having role models um, and having that mentorship and, and really making sure that there's accompaniment, not just in the learning at the initial stages, but in, in growth, which is what we really need um, for that progress to, to be made, James, is that, okay, if we're going to see more progress being made, we need more women in leadership and decision-making positions. Um, so that's yes. really our, our end goal beyond um, just placing our students, which obviously is key and, and incredibly transformative for them. But when we think about the wider system change that we wanna see in the, in the region, um, and whether that's tech or other sectors, we really need to see more women growing and, and um, having spaces at the table for them in, in decision-making processes. Altium 365 lets you hold the fastest design reviews ever. Share your designs from anywhere and with anyone with a single click. It's easy. Leave a comment tagging your teammate and they'll instantly receive an email with a link to the design. Anyone you invite can open the design using a web browser. Using the browser interface, you're able to comment, markup, cross-probe, inspect, and more. Comments are attached directly to the project, making them viewable within Altium Designer, as well as through the browser interface. Give it a try and get started with Altium 365 today. I think as well, it, it, part of it is also educating men in those positions uh, in the sector, because I guarantee you there's a lot of people out there who haven't even thought about this issue, 
who don't even realize it's it's a problem that people face. So I, I definitely think that there needs to be work done in that space. Absolutely. And that's something we, we I mean, we, we do that a lot through our events. Um, and I think even just the, the opportunity to interact with our students, whether you're a company that got to participate in a project in our UX bootcamp or a company that participates in one of our, our talent fests, which is our, our hackathon each year, and getting to see our students in action, I think is part of the work um, in terms of um, widening our, our community of supporters and of allies in that, which most definitely needs to include um, not just women, but men as well and other, other supporters in the process. Inga and I were actually talking about the exact topic before we started recording. <laughs> Because um, uh, Octopod supports, uh, we're like a, a partnership with uh, Women in Electronics. Um, I think we're a platinum sponsor. Uh, so we attend the events and have guest speakers and stuff. And we we're saying how important it is for those, for the education uh, and awareness to, to be uh, expanded. But there's something that's been happening uh, trend-wise in the sector I've noticed is um, as uh, manufacturing shifts back to the U.S., Central and South America, um, which is happening pretty rapidly, uh, there's funding in place for this shift, but I, I've been looking at uh, a lot of the reports and trends that there's a massive disparity in skilled workers uh, and that by 2030, there's going to be a huge deficit in the people we need to actually operate these facilities and do this development and manufacturing. So do you think that's sort of an opportunity to, to really like, I guess, change the narrative and say, look, you need people. There's this whole other side of the workforce that's, that's being ignored now's the time to, to really start from a young age, educating and inspiring people to, to pursue that career. Absolutely, and I think it's, um, it's not just this current trend, it's, it's the trends that have happened. I mean, we've been in this for 10 years and we have to, as an organization, take those different you know, shifts in context as an opportunity um, to innovate and to stay up to speed with that as well. And so if you look at um, Laboratoria across the years, our bootcamp is always evolving. Our model is always evolving. Our, our, our mission stays the same. Our vision stays the same. Um, but we, even this year in particular, seeing kind of some of the challenges with mass layoffs and how AI is affecting um, you know, entry-level positions, all of these things and the ones you mentioned um, are always an opportunity for us to um, kind of think outside the box, pivot when we need to, and say, what do we need to do to ensure that um, our students, younger women as well, are, are being equipped with the skills that they need to be able to, yes, address this current trend or this shift or the current market needs, but then going back to this idea of learning how to learn, it's this ability as well to continue to, to be flexible and to adapt. Um, so I think beyond like a very specific uh, context, the idea is that we need more people um, when, when, you know, you, a lot of people talk about the 21st century skills. And what is that? It's that adaptability and that ability to, to, to be able to continue to learn and to be able to take what you already know um, and shift it to a current context and add on to that, depending on what the needs are. So I think um, it goes beyond the very kind of hard skill side of things um, and really enters into the wider uh, life skills that we talk about and, and being able to be prepared as individuals um, to step up to the challenge, what, whatever it might be in any given um, year or, you know, current market trend that we might be seeing. Mm -hmm. um, so here's a, a sort of a broader question. Um, what are some of the trends that you're seeing in tech in South America and Central America? 
Yeah, I think the the one that I that I just mentioned about kind of um, what this year has looked like. Um, it has been a challenging year in all sectors, really. But when you look at tech, I mentioned kind of how um, mass layoffs have have affected junior talent. Um, AI is obviously the hot topic of the year and probably next year as well. Um, so I think right now there there are shifts in kind of what um, different positions look like at companies. And so maybe an entry level position looks a bit different. Maybe there are more specific technologies. Maybe companies are requiring more AI. Um, so I think right now it's it's an opportunity for us to think more broadly beyond um, beyond our boot camp. That's just, um, you mentioned, Inga, you hope to see our community growing. We do too. Um, and given our boot camp model, we still have, you know, want to maintain this very personalized opportunity for women. But we get thousands of applicants every year to our boot camp. So there's obviously still an interest and there's obviously a need, even though companies right now might have kind of put a pause on hiring or are looking for something different. They're still struggling to find that diverse talent and kind of those unique profiles that are really going to make their um, their products and their businesses more innovative and more inclusive. So I think right now it's it's a time for for us to think about what more can we do for for women who are ready to take those first steps in in technology um and again be equipped with those skills that are going to prepare them not just for the for the trends right now but for what might come might come after that so uh i guess you can answer this however you like whatever you think is best but uh if you could give one piece of advice to a woman who's looking or even considering just going into the tech sector, what would you say to them? Well, one of the phrases that we love at Laboratoria, and you'll actually see a lot of our students or once they're graduates post this with together with their kind of um, their testimony when they're sharing a little bit about their experience is that if you're afraid, do it anyway. Be afraid doing it, but just give it a try. Um, you know, you saying I'm not going to do it because I'm afraid really doesn't get you anywhere. So I think it's that curiosity that's really what's going to help you along the way and stay curious um, and kind of know that there are a lot of other women out there who um, are, have already experienced something similar. Like Inga, you could already, you know, share that story with so many of our students. And I think just knowing that you're not the first and you won't be the last to do something that's hard and that's a bit scary, um, that you're not alone and that there are so many resources out there. It's a matter of asking and and really listening to that curiosity in, in you and, and exploring. I think sometimes we get stuck in terms of making a decision, kind of that analysis paralysis. And I always say, just keep pursuing your options. Sometimes uh, those decisions will be made for you. And uh, along the way, as you discover um, what opportunities are out there, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, as you also learn about the variety of opportunities in tech, we talk about tech um, as though it's kind of one thing, right? But even you look at our boot camps, we have three different ones. Maybe you are you know, entirely made for UX or maybe you're really leaning more towards the data side of things. Maybe you're a combination, but um, kind of exploring and really getting to know yourself as well to find a place that where, where you're really going to be able to thrive. I do have a question. So for when it comes with um, going into different um, areas, I know you have UX, you have the data analysis, and then you have the, um, I think, web development. Do you have them do assessment tests beforehand to see, okay, what's their gauge or like what do they know or how comfortable they're learning in certain separate sections and then be able to like, you know, help them on later on with their weak points? 
So a couple different things there. Um, we have something called Código M, which is our initiative that really is designed to kind of accompany women who are just taking those first steps in tech and might not know um, kind of the difference in, in the, all the different vocabulary and the different opportunities. So that's actually a monthly event that's open to the public. Um, and we cover different topics. Um, some of it is more motivational and having um, women share their story, women in tech share their story. Some of it might be more like uh, coding 101. Let's do a quick exercise and, and understand this. Or what is a UX designer? What do they do? What's their day-to-day -day like? Mm -hmm. um, so that's one opportunity for, for women to start kind of just exploring the different pathways that exist. And then our application process itself, you do, I mean, you do have to choose from the very beginning what, um, which track you're applying to, but our admissions process, something that we've um, tried to do is have the admissions process itself be somewhat of a reflection of what the bootcamp will be like. So it's almost like a mini project. Um, and that's an opportunity for them to really get a better understanding of what this bootcamp is going to look like. Um, and then along the way, in terms of strengths and areas of opportunity, um, I mentioned those learning objectives. I mentioned some of the, the, the life skills or soft skills. Um, after every project, there's um, kind of a, a self-assessment, a peer assessment, um, and, a, and a coach assessment, not in the sense of like, are you passing this test or not? But really, let's make this a conversation and, and a reflection on um, what, what things you might need to work on. No, maybe you self-assess yourself as um, really poor at teamwork and then your peer and your coach talk about how great you are at teamwork. And then we say, okay, this isn't so much about who's right or wrong, but why do you think there were different opinions on this? And then maybe it's, well, maybe I'm just doubting myself a bit and I actually really, really am good at this. So we try and make it more about um, kind of ongoing reflection and um, working on different areas in that sense and not so much kind of a, a diagnostic of, of specific competencies, but but really making it a more holistic experience throughout the boot camp. That's great. So we just have two questions left before we wrap up. Uh, one is one we like to ask every guest that comes on the show, which is if you knew before COVID what you know now, what would you have done differently? <laughs> oh, that is, um, that is a good question. And um, it's funny because COVID actually brought a lot of great things for Laboratoria in different, in different ways. Obviously, it was, it was an immense challenge for us as an organization. It was scary at times, um, so much uncertainty. I mean, I guess I could summarize it in it's going to be okay. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> we're going to get through this. Um, and I think, I think it's a reminder um, for us to really be more open-minded about challenges and how we can turn them into opportunities. And so for us, COVID was a time where we said, you know what, who knows how long this is going to last. We can't just sit here waiting for perhaps it to, you know, maybe in two weeks we'll go back, maybe it'll be six months. And so we just said, you know what, let's just be remote first. Let's do everything we can to make this the best remote boot camp possible, make it great for our students, make it great for our team. Um, and that is what's led us to be able to expand to new countries, to make it international cohorts, um, to think about um, new tracks, um, which before when we were in in-person setting was it was a little bit difficult to envision. You know, it looked it looked very different what it meant to enter a new country. It was much more costly. It was logistically much more complex. And so 
I think um, more than doing something differently, I would say bringing the lessons we learned from COVID and continuing to, to put them to good use in, in a year like this year where we've seen hiring slow down and, and changes in the market sector and saying, okay, well, th it's been a decade of us doing this work um, and that's okay that things are changing. So how do we stay at the forefront? We were pioneers 10 years ago in the work that we're doing. How do we do it again? Um, so I think mm -hmm. um, taking COVID as an example of broader, more ongoing challenges. Of course, that one was quite extreme um, and one we were not expecting or used to or had, had previous experience with, uh, but definitely an, an opportunity to, to continue to be innovative. Awesome. The last question is a really easy one. Uh, if anyone wants to support the company, follow the company's progress, um, sign up or anything like that, what's the best place to do that? Absolutely. There's lots of different ways that can happen. Um, we have uh, opportunities for volunteers who, who may want to be mentors and help some of our students, um, you know, in their mock interviews or preparing for that. Um, if uh, you as an individual or as an organization are interested in becoming a financial partner, there's an opportunity there as well. We're always looking for companies who are interested in hiring. We have events throughout the year. So lots of different activities. You can visit our, our website at laboratoria.la. Find all of the information there, ways to contact us. Um, and if anyone would like to, to be in touch directly, you can always email me. My email is karen at laboratoria.la. Awesome. And social media, are you present on those? We are. We are on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Um, so you'll find us as Laboratoria on all of those, Laboratoria LA. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, really fascinating talking with you. Great. Thank you so much, James and Inga. And um, hope, to, hope to see you again and, and perhaps bring you into some of our activities at Laboratoria in the future. Awesome. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> and for everyone else listening, thank you and come back next week. We have another guest for you. Bye.